Listener Production. Why does your jar of pickles stay nice and crunchy and edible for months on end? How can a tin of ravioli stay edible for decades after a zombie apocalypse, like in an episode of The Last of Us? And it doesn't seem right that you can string up whole hunks of meat after adding a little bit of salt and it not go manky and green. It's all thanks to the science of preserving foods. I'm Emma Perfetto, journalist at Cosmos magazine, and I'm going to tell you about how it works. Why does food spoil? Your mind probably jumped to microbes when I started talking about food spoilage. Bacteria, fungi and yeasts can grow in our food and cause it to go bad. In a way, it's a good thing. Food is a living material packed full of things human bodies need, nutrients, proteins and so on. So a food sensitivity to light, the enzymes present in it, oxygen, pH, temperature levels and the presence of other microbes can all affect the type and rate of microbial spoilage. Chemical and biochemical reactions also happen naturally in food. While some aspects of chemical spoilage are related to changes brought on by the growth of microbes, the reaction of food to oxygen, oxidation, is an entirely chemical process that can cause yucky changes in flavour and coloration. This is why your chip packet is filled with an inert gas, usually nitrogen, and why lots of foods are sold vacuum sealed. Preserving food also often involves killing off microorganisms entirely and making conditions inhospitable for them to continue growing. Some foods, like honey, are superpowered. As long as it's stored correctly in a cool, dry place and kept sealed, pure honey will never go bad. The world's oldest honey was found in the country Georgia in 2003, and archaeologists estimate that it's about 5,500 years old. This is because honey has naturally low water and high sugar concentrations, essentially sucking the water from bacteria and drying them to death. It also contains small amounts of hydrogen peroxide, which inhibits the growth of microbes. Drying, curing and smoking. Let's remove that water. One of the oldest methods of food preservation is dehydrating. Water is key to the growth of microorganisms and the activity of a lot of enzymes. Those are the proteins that catalyse biochemical reactions. So it makes sense that removing water content will preserve food. I love dried apricots and sun-dried tomatoes, but all kinds of fruits, vegetables, meats and fishes can all be processed through dehydration, whether that involves drying them out in the sun or using a nifty food dehydrator that works regardless of the weather or climate. You've probably also heard of freeze-drying, which involves completely freezing a sample and then lowering the pressure by pumping out the air in the chamber. While the tray is slightly heated, the ice is removed through a process called sublimation, where it transitions directly from a solid to a gas. This is how instant coffee is made. Drying food is great because it also reduces the weight and the volume of food, which is really important for adventures from camping to spaceflight. For all you salami lovers out there, curing is a process that uses the addition of salt in order to desiccate meat, fish and vegetables. It draws out moisture from food through a process called osmosis, where the water is pulled from within the cells, which have a lower salt concentration, and diffuses to the higher salt concentration outside. Some microorganisms can help us preserve foods. Wine, beer, kimchi, sauerkraut, what do all these have in common? 
other than making me salivate just thinking about them, these food and drinks are all made through the process of fermentation. So far, we've been talking a lot about how to prevent microorganisms from growing, but now I'm here to tell you that bacteria, yeasts, and molds can also be used to preserve food. In alcohol fermentation, yeast converts sugars like glucose, fructose, and sucrose into energy in their cells, producing ethanol and carbon dioxide as byproducts. As you might know in a post-COVID world, ethanol is very effective at killing microbes at concentrations between 60 and 90%. Humans have been making alcohol for thousands of years, with the earliest archaeological evidence of beer dating to around 13,000 years ago in a prehistoric cave near Haifa in Israel. Then we have lactic acid fermentation. This is the process by which lactic acid bacteria, or lactobacilli, convert glucose into cellular energy and lactic acid. The presence of this acid lowers the pH of the food rapidly, which inhibits the growth of competing organisms and can extend the shelf life of some foods for months. Just think about how short a time milk lasts in the fridge, compared to its fermented forms like yogurt or cheese. Fermentation not only preserves food, but it can also make it more nutritious because the microorganisms can produce vitamins as they ferment. For example, vegetarians can get vitamin B12, which isn't otherwise present in plant foods, from eating fermented vegetable products like tempeh, a traditional Indonesian food made from fermented soybeans. The last kind of fermentation is acetic acid fermentation. Here, acetobacter bacteria oxidize alcohol to acetic acid, or vinegar, in the presence of oxygen. Pickling involves preserving foods in acidic liquid like vinegar to slow down the growth of microbes in a salty, low pH solution. Usually it involves water, salt, and optional spices like mustard seeds or aromatics like fresh herbs as well. Pickled egg or pickled onion, anyone? Don't forget to raise the temperature. We've covered removing moisture to discourage the growth of microbes. Now let's get into temperature. Microbes will grow best within their preferred temperature range. And for most of the ones that can spoil food and make us sick, the danger zone is 5 to 60 degrees Celsius. Thermal pasteurization is a heat treatment process where the food, like milk for instance, is raised to temperatures between 65 and 75 degrees Celsius. These temperatures kill off many, but not all, of the microbes present, with negligible changes to the nutrition of the food, which can then be stored in refrigerated conditions for days to weeks longer than usual. Thermal sterilization, on the other hand, is a much more severe heat treatment process, involving raising the food temperatures to 135 to 150 degrees Celsius. This process kills off everything except the most heat-resistant thermophiles. But while these products, like long-life milk, can be stored at ambient temperature for months, the process can cause the breakdown of some fats, proteins, sugars, and other nutrients. Thermal sterilization is the process involved in canning, where food is heat-processed and then sealed in an airtight container. The process was invented during the French Revolutionary Wars in the early 1800s, and hilariously, it took until 1858 for someone to invent the can opener. 
1974, canned foods were uncovered from a boat that had sank to the bottom of the Missouri River in the US in 1865. Chemists analysed those cans and found that there was no microbial growth. And although the food had lost its fresh smell and appearance, they were still as safe to eat as more than a century earlier. Right, we've got that episode in the can. Thanks for listening to me talk about the science of preserving food. Hopefully, you won't get into a pickle if you attempt it yourself at home. For the latest in science news, don't forget to check out The Science Briefing, also available here on the Listener app. And head to cosmosmagazine.com for more science just like this. Otherwise, we'll be back again next time for another Hunt Science Explained.